Hey, everybody, it's Monday, January 24th, and that means it's time for another episode of Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia, Nonprofit Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Cecilia Sup. I'm the principal and founder of Road Tulips Consulting, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Agnes. I'm going to throw it over to Agnes to say hello. Thank you, Cecilia. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our global audience, wherever you're joining us from. My name is Agnes Amos Coleman. I'm an author and a consultant. Over to you, Cecilia. Thank you, Agnes. And we're really excited today because, as you know, most nonprofits are talking about events going forward in 2022. And we are really happy to have Mark Cooper, the immediate past chair of the Events Industry Council, here with us today to share his thoughts on innovating meetings and events and the way forward for us as we go on into the 21st century. Welcome, Mark. Would you like to say hello and tell us a little about yourself? I would love to. Hello, Cecilia. Hello, Agnes. And hello, everybody. Um, so, yes, uh, my name is Mark Cooper and I am passionate about uh, the meetings industry and have been in this wonderful industry of business events and hospitality since I was um, around 13 years of age in my grandparents' uh, village pub in the centre of Warwickshire in rural England. So uh, to say that I have a passion for hospitality is probably an understatement. To say that I have no other alternatives as a career because I've been in it so long is probably a reality as well but looking forward to our chat. Oh that's great I love that story because uh, where I grew up in St. Louis Missouri we had a lot of taverns which are similar to public houses in England so that's wonderful. So our topic as we mentioned is innovation in events and uh, conferences so because as we know they're not necessarily the same thing. So what do you think is an innovation that you would like to see come along or that maybe you're already implementing? Well, innovation and creativity, Cecilia, come in many, many different forms. And I think, you know, as we sit and look at it, sometimes we can we can give it, you know, too much um, focus in terms of the complexity. So the word innovation is do something big and do something bold. But actually, creativity and innovation is really just about doing something different and doing something unexpected. And they can be really small things and they can be really large things. But at the end of the day, the one thing that a business event is, is it's a journey in a period of time with lots of things going on. So you can actually build up to an innovative conference or meeting or, or event um, through doing lots of little things. And it doesn't necessarily translate into having to spend big or put a huge amount of resource in. So as we have our chat today, um, you know, don't don't think too high, don't think too complex, but think about you know how how to approach many different angles and create surprises. And for me, for you know, as a uh, you know, being responsible for a nonprofit association uh, over the last two years, we've had to be uh, creative in many different ways and move very quickly. Um, and thrill people in different ways. But what, what I would say is one of the building blocks to creating um, you know, an, an innovative or creative uh, event and the elements is you know, make promises in advance. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you a couple of examples. If you make a promise to say, you know, we will have 100% completely new speaker lineup right at the beginning, there, mm -hmm. and you publish that, then you have to live by it. Um, you mm -hmm. can't, you know, you can't deviate off it. You, you've made that statement. And so if it's a commitment you make up front, that helps you stay on the course of creativity. Things like, you know, the 
we will ban all PowerPoint slides. Um, of course, when you do that, that's not you, um, but it's a statement, but then you can back that up in terms of how you support your, you know, your, your speakers and your presenters in delivering content in a very different way. You know, and that, that's just a couple of ideas. But what I would say is think up front um, and go in with a mindset with your volunteers. If you're a nonprofit association, um, you will have a lot of volunteers. But really, when you're scene setting at the beginning of the design phase, um, you know, just remind people that we will start at a position of something completely new and we might gravitate back to doing something we've done in the past, but only if we can't do something new. Treat re a return with caution. Um, and that's not to say that everything has to be new every single time. That would be ridiculous. But right. if you go in with that mindset, that will really help you. And I know Agnes is passionate about this too, but I just want to make a comment yes. before she jumps in about PowerPoint slides. If you're going to use them, don't read them. <laughs> use them to support what you're saying. Don't read your slides. Over to you, Agnes. Thank you, Cecilia. And thank you so much, Mark, for giving us that uh, overview on expectations. I really appreciate that. You know, for the meetings and events industry, I guess the first thought that comes to mind here, and more so now with the COVID era, what are some of the tangible ways that you would share with our global audience that we need to start to look at innovating our meetings and events that you've seen happen? And I know that your industries are the, your organization is at the forefront of this and doing great things with this. Can you share with our global audience in some of the tangible ways? I can share what I think is going to be our future because of course everybody only you know has a mind of what it might look like um, and we have no proof, no evidence. But um, let's look at you know 2019 our association as many did ran successful live events in a single location. 2020 we all went to virtual. 2021 we either stayed in the virtual land or we braved doing hybrid or something you know of that nature um, and then 2022 what's to come and what's to follow. Well I can tell you what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from other industry association leaders out there, particularly for our industry, is that um, when you can meet live, when the barriers have been taken away and the ability is there to, to meet live, there is a pent up demand uh, and commitment to do so. Um, and so if I can go live, I will attend live. And if I can't go live, I'm actually not gonna go at all. And so that's what, that's a fundamental difference. Um, I think, Earlier on, some of us were maybe fooled a little bit. And in 2021, we held um, live multi-location events. Um, so it allowed people to come to a location that was within two, three hours of them. So they were not traveling East Coast to West Coast, you know, et cetera. And then, we, but we also had the streamed um, hybrid um, virtual participant as well. They didn't want it. We had very low take up on the virtual side, because again, attendees said, I'm either going to go live or I'm not going to go at all. Um, and that's something that we have taken into 2022. So my belief is with, with that huge demand, with the travel restrictions dissipating, with our concerns, with Omicron, um, you know, and the pandemic moving from a pandemic to an endemic, I think we'll get a lot more confidence and we'll be pleasantly surprised by the amount of people that absolutely want to come back live. So for me, for myself and many associations that I've spoken to in this space, um, we're going to focus our attentions on creating phenomenal live experiences 
in 2022. And if I'm going to take one difference that you, I expect to see that we didn't have in 2019 and earlier, we're going to expand on our off-site um, experiential activities, our pre and post uh, conference ones, our ability to get out and learn from the conference room. Um, and that's a big part of that innovation and creativity. It's getting out from a classroom and getting people with people discovering and learning things together in the environments that our conferences are taking place in. Mm. Oh, that's great, great insight there. Thank yeah, you so much. For let me sharing. interrupt. I'm sorry, let me interrupt. I gotta get the dogs to stop barking. So I'm gonna pause one okay. second. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that insight with us. I, I think it's definitely uh, as association community and, and for those of us who are heavily involved in the meetings industry, uh, I do agree with you that uh, that you know uh, on-site experience is what's going to, because that's really where you know the connections are made. It is where the, uh, the ideas are shared and, and people like to get together. This is where the brainstorming happens. Uh, but, but one of the questions that kind of just comes to mind is, from my experience, I, I feel like innovation sometimes can be stifled by organization process. So how can we ensure that our innovative ideas as we're planning to go live with our events, how can we ensure that these ideas are implemented with buy-in from all our stakeholders involved? Well, process, uh, I would say you're absolutely right. It, you know, it's, it's always, I think, linked to um, that, that safety blanket of the past. So, um, you know, of course, having creative free spirits in your conference management team, your staff, your volunteer bases, et cetera, can be a double-edged sword. You need that to a degree, but, but you have got to manage it. Um, what advice would I give? Um, I still think we're in an era and we will be in 2022 where we will be forgiven for taking some risks and having making some mistakes. Um, prior to that, I felt we were in these processes and it was very analytical and we were we were quite risk adverse um, in relation to generally putting on conferences and meetings. We went into the pandemic where the gloves were off and, you know, do what you want. There is no wrong. Um, and I still think we should hold on to a little bit of that, you know, that, that bravado and that risk taking mentality as we go into 2022. Um, to do that, I guess it's like any environment, a workplace environment, etc. You've got to create safe spaces for, you know, for, for that to take place. Um, but make it fun. You know, you use those two words of innovation, creativity. You know, have 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 a fun game that's going on within all your conference planning meetings and your your staffing meetings, etc. Which was, you know, tag tag everything you talk about with: is it fun? Is it creative? Mm -hmm. um, which of them is it? And what's the scale? Let's red light it, green light it, orange light it, and you know, and just publicly, you know, denounce it and throw it to one side, or yeah, you know, and and use that to challenge each other in a fun way. Maybe that's one way of keeping that at the forefront and stopping you falling back into process driven. You're going to need your, um, you know, your planning documents. You're going to need your checklists. Of course you are. Um, that's important. Um, but equally, make it part of your theme. And we talked right at the beginning about anything that's really important to the success of your event. Make it public. 
So, you know, if, if you want to challenge the unexpected, um, then, you know, make that part of your marketing message, you know, that you're going to do that. And then again, you tend to live by, by what you say. Yeah, that's great. Those are great points. And, and I want to uh, talk just briefly about creativity versus innovation, because I really appreciate your comments, Mark, about that, uh, that first of all, innovative doesn't have to be difficult, but a uh, creative is also good too. I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in being innovative. And uh, I did some research on the difference between the two years ago and creative is like Twyla Tharp. You're creating dance, you know, but innovative is actually something like the Swiffer because you're taking something and using it in a new way. So when it comes to innovating meetings and events, it's using something in a new way. Like you, you made several great recommendations, like maybe you get rid of PowerPoint slides, maybe you have all new speakers who have never been there before. So I think uh, creating that comfort level for our staffs and our organizations that you don't have to do it the same old way, but uh, if you do do something the same old way, you can call it retro. You know, hey, we did this 10 years ago and we're bringing it back. So that can be a lot of fun too. Yeah. And the thing about traveling, I think is getting in, in everybody's uh, way a lot of times. I know it gets in my way. Agnes and I were talking about this earlier about like, ah, I just don't really want to get on an airplane right now <laughs> because it can oh, be- Oh, they're great. I was, I've a, been on them all the time the last few months. It's getting easier. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, and is that international? Sure. Yeah, I was in Las Vegas last week, so direct from <laughs> London, 11, 11 hours. I was in Las Vegas in November. Um, you know, last week was easier than November in terms of all of the hoops that you needed to jump through. Um, and after this week, particularly from Europe, from the UK going in and out to the US, the, you know, the the, the hoops that you have to jump through are disappearing and it's getting, and, but, but equally those processes in place, whether it's the airline, um, you know, the, the, the testing, the, the, the cities, the destinations, the hotel properties, they've become a lot more structured now and, you know, and it's all settled down. So um, there's a lot more surety traveling the last two or three months. And I can remember when I dared to travel last July to Texas. I mean, that was, that was tough. Was that hard? Yeah. And well, that's good to hear, you know, because uh, Agnes and I both work virtually, so we don't usually have a whole lot of need to get on and off airplanes, <laughs> but uh, it's good to hear. We both used to travel quite a lot. I know I had a job where I traveled a lot. So I'm just kind of like, you know, eh, you know, right now I've been places and done things. I can wait a few oh, more so weeks, but uh, we, see, we need. I... Oh, no, go um, ahead, Mark. I, no, I I you, say, um, you said something very interesting. You were, you were talking about um, the differentiation between creativity and innovation. And before we moved on, I did just want to pick up on those because um, you're absolutely right. And it, let me give two very quick examples of, of where and why they're different. So when I think of um, tips to give in relation to making sure the content in your conference is innovative, mm -hmm. create what, you know, what, what I would term a you know, national or a global innovations uh, session. So on the premise that every conference satisfaction from an attendee will come from, they say, we've taken away one or two golden nuggets from our two days and that in its own right made the whole event um, worthwhile, the ROI was there. So create a session which celebrates those golden nuggets. Um, invite your attendees and those organisations involved 
to have pitches, a little bit like speed dialing. You've got three minutes to present your innovation uh, to the audience. They could go away from an hour long session with 15 um, you know, innovative ideas. And it could be as simple as using a product or a service differently to get a different outcome. So that's one way to lock in um, specifics in relation to innovation. Creativity, I would say, when you're looking at a venue is, again, low hanging fruit um, in terms of cost. Um, it, that is the food and beverage element. That's where you can be hyper creative. Um, and as long as you've chosen a venue that can do that, um, surprising people, um, giving them ingredients, foods, presentations through food and beverage is one way of being really creative. So just wanted to share those two different angles because you're absolutely right. Um, and I think, you know, that both have a place within every meeting in 22 and onwards. Oh, thanks for that great follow-up. No, oh, that's great. You know, I know that we're running out a little bit of time, but I think that this is important for us to share with our global audience or to talk about it anyway, uh, because it's an issue that we're all confronted uh, in this era. Safety is one thing that I think that as we begin to bring people uh, together in 2022, that we're going to have to continue to address. And I like to get your perspective on this, on how we can continue to assure our audiences, our association community, or members who want to come to our meetings that it's safe to be there. So can you talk to our global audience a little bit about this, Mark? Uh, I can do, and I'm going to, though, now talk more so as an attendee. So, as you know, I have been traveling and I've been attending events. I was at IMEX in November last year, and last week I was at PCMA convening leaders, and, and I was running our own conference planning meeting and our own board meeting. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit uh, as an attendee, as opposed to um, an, an industry ambassador in terms of best practice. The one thing that gives me and others um, the most confidence and sense of um, we're being looked after is transparency. Mm. Um, it's clear information flow and clear transparency. Um, so, you know, thinking and investing time in clear messages, even if those messages change, because they will. Um, I think we'll all be pleasantly surprised at how quickly we move from our current phase of, um, of, of measures that are put in place to attend a live meeting uh, to what, for instance, you will see if you come together in May or June in 2022. I think, um, I think we will be far closer to being back to what we remember uh, in the past. However, with that aside, the one example I will give is that I attended PCMA Convening Leaders last week, 2,300 people very clear pre-conference communications um, and during the event very clear um, uh, best practice in play and rules mm. and support mechanisms which was good but even throughout the conference I remember on day three there was uh, an, an email that went to all attendees to say hey we've had five cases identified bearing in mind it's 2,300 people so it's a drop in the ocean but they didn't have to tell attendees, particularly on the day of the event, but they did. Mm. Yesterday, or it may have even been this morning, um, uh, I received an email which uh, was a, one of the several follow-up, and they just said, just to let you know, in the interest of transparency, um, since you know, a week after the event, we've had that many cases that have been um, 
uh, reported. I can't remember. It was incredibly low as a, mm -hmm. a percentage, but they didn't need to tell me that um, after the event, um, but they did. And that gave me a true sense of, um, of, of clarity, transparency, trust. It all mm -hmm. comes down to trust. So create messages, make decisions around the safety of your event that will um, be equitable in relation to translating into trust. That's awesome. And it was Thank you. well for many years. That's great. That's an excellent example because mm -hmm. I think that's really all it takes is a little bit of communication and people don't get upset. They know what's going on and that gives them the security mm -hmm. that they need because there's a difference between security and safety. Uh, just like there's a difference between creativity and innovation. We want to feel that's secure. Just... Um, and that makes us feel safe. So I think that's great. You know, um, Mark, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. And I hope that you will come back in the future and continue this conversation. I'd love to hear more of your travel stories, uh, but uh, we need to go rogue for now. We need to wrap up for this week. Um, Agnes, any quick closing thoughts? No, I think for me, what, uh, what I take away from uh, this dialogue is that transparency across the board. Uh, I think it's a very powerful tool. I, I think in our industry today, this is what we need. And when you're transparent with your processes, you will find out that you can mitigate any risk that comes your way. So thank you, Mark, for really reinforcing that. I, I think for me, that's that's an excellent takeaway that I will definitely be using uh, in, in my toolbox of, of work that I need to do for my, uh, for my employer, my clients. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Great. Thanks, My pleasure, Agnes. Agnes and Cecilia. It's been, been a joy to be with you both today. Thank you, Mark. Well, and Mark, do you have a quick closing thought? And then if our audience wanted to get in touch with you, uh, what would be a good way to get in touch? I think my closing thought would be to anyone who looks to um, place a meeting at a you know reputable venue in the future is, is going with the mantra of trust thy venue. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, is that you're working with experts um, from a venue, from a facilities, from a food and beverage and a culinary perspective. You know, why go in there feeling that you need to, you know, design your menus, be the menu planner, create, you know, make selections on menus, take all of that responsibility on your shoulders where the person at the other end of the phone or the Zoom call is an expert in putting these together. So choose a venue where you trust the individuals, trust I venue, they become an incredibly powerful supplier, and then you can focus on the other elements. And if you don't have that confidence and feel that you're, you're having to make all the decisions that sit in a venue's responsibility, then change thy venue. So mm -hmm. that would be my closing thought. Um, IAC, um, you can search any one of the 400 IAC certified venues in 26 countries around the world and get to them directly very quickly. It is iaccconline.org or iaccmeetings.com. Um, and um, there's a ton of research and tips and best practice on there uh, for meeting professionals and venues alike. But again, appreciate the time, both of you. Great. Thank you, Mark. And that's a great resource. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so as we mentioned, we have to go rogue for this week, but we'll be back next time with another exciting episode of Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia Nonprofit Conversations. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another exciting episode. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips, 
check us out at our website, roguetulips.com, and check out our education arm, the 501C League, a leader in CAE education, especially in the area of ethics. You can find the league at the 501Cleague.net. So on behalf of myself, Agnes, and Mark, thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time.